Star Wars is a cultural phenomenon like no other, and we're going to talk about it in all its multifaceted glory with a very special guest today. You're listening to the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. I'm your host for today, Johnny Maynard, but I am not joined by any of the usual suspects. Instead, I am joined by a very special guest and someone that I've wanted to talk to for a very long time, uh, Carmelo Estrich, author of the Star Wars Multiverse. Carmelo, hi. Hello. Thank you for keeping for having me here in the podcast. I'm very excited to chat about my book and to chat with you finally, because we have been communicating online for such a long time and it's fun to finally chat you know in real time absolutely uh folk listening to this uh won't, don't, aren't seeing any video but it's lovely to see your face so let's look at your rap sheet very quickly carmelo you are associate professor of humanities and cultural studies at columbia college chicago is that right I actually have been promoted to professor of humanities oh, and cultural studies. Check you, prof. Uh, so I am I am a full professor now. Uh, but yes, I teach humanities and cultural studies at Columbia College, which is a small arts and media college in Chicago. Fantastic! And you actually teach a Star Wars course there as well, right? I, I do. Part of the cultural studies program has um, sort of like a mid-level. It's not an advanced class nor an introductory. Uh, a mid-level class on. On Star Wars called Exploring Star Wars Spectacle Culture Fandom. Fantastic. I definitely want to talk to you about that because every now and again on Instagram, I'll see, you know, you, you take a snapshot maybe, of, I don't know if it's a lesson plan or sort of the outcomes of a lesson and it looks amazing. And, and I have serious <laughs> envy uh, for the lucky folk who get to sit in that room and have those chats. Um, you're also the author of the Star Wars Multiverse, which was published by Rutgers University Press two years ago now, right? I, uh, 21, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it was around that time, I think, that we first connected on Instagram via, via Star Wars stuff and, and the book. Um, and of course, you're a massive Star Wars fan. Uh, no... You've been known to cosplay at conventions, um, <laughs> and I, you know I have to mention it since we're a bookie podcast. It's, it was clear to me reading the Star Wars multiverse that you've read one or two Star Wars books in your time. <laughs> yes, it's a it's really interesting because for a very long time I was very much a screen Star Wars a tele, mm. uh, film was the thing that I did the most, um, and it was it was really when I met Timothy Zahn at a convention mm. in Chicago. And the the first of the Thrawn trilogy, the first novel, 2017, had just come yeah. out. Um, and for some reason, it was one of those conventions where nobody knew who he was. So he was all alone in this little table, checking his phone. Oh, and I'm like, so I just approached him and said hello and sat down and we chatted for a bit. Um, and I told him, I've never read Star Wars novels, and I've heard your novels are really good. Uh, where should I start? <laughs> and uh -huh. he says, start with my new one. And so the very <laughs> first novel, technically, the very first novel that I read was, was Star Wars Thrawn, the 2017, that began that sort of new trilogy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And from then on, I mean, I've, we don't have a video, so I can't show you my bookshelf, but I, I've read a lot more since then. A lot more yeah. since then. Yeah, I, I could I could tell um, while, while reading the Star Wars multiverse, um, you, you in the in that book you, you were weaving a lot of references through and drawing on the books, the comics, you know, stuff that a lot of the, that I, I wouldn't have expected. Part of part of the project of the book was to to talk about an all encompassing Star Wars. Um, so much of the writing about Star Wars, especially at that time, 2017, 2018, um, was mostly focused on the films. Um, and there were a few things that were writing about Clone Wars and some references here and there, but it was mostly the movies that, that for a lot of people meant Star Wars. Um, and the more I got into Star Wars and when I realized that there were all these other worlds of Star Wars that were outside of the movies, um, comics and fiction and um, video games and all of that stuff. And so when I, when I got the contract for this book, I said, 
I don't want to write just about the movies. I want to write about all of it because to me, that's that's Star Wars. And the other thing that I um, that I sort of argued when I was presenting the project is that I wanted to include fan produced material as well. And so fan fiction, yeah. fan art, fan film, and cosplay, for me, are part of the way that we consume Star Wars. Um, Absolutely. And it, it, interestingly, it, it was probably reading that, 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 that first essay in the book on sort of the Star Wars multiverse, uh-huh. where, where you do talk about um, engage, fans engaging with Star Wars via sort of fan-generated content, fan art, fan fiction. Right. cosplay i mean it was, uh, it was the first time i guess that i'd ever seen those expressions of people's fandom i'm not, not i'm not a fan of the word fandom i don't know why it sort of sticks in my throat as a weird sort of neologism um <laughs> but uh it, people expressing the, their their fandom for want of a better a better word um in those ways and, and i think it, for for me it, the that was probably what tipped me over the edge into thinking, okay, I'll write some fanfic. I'll I'll do some cosplay, you know. So it's, it's actually your it's your fault, Carmelo. Thank you. I, I I'll take that as a compliment. I'll take that as a compliment because I it's really interesting how we might intellectually see the difference between seeing something done by Lucasfilm and something done by by a fan, but they're both ways of consuming Star Wars. Yeah, I don't really yeah. in in the way that Star Wars fans enjoy and love Star Wars, a meme is as fun <laughs> as twenty minutes of Rebels in very different ways, in very different ways. But they Absolutely. are ways of consuming Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I, I'm a grumpy old man when it comes to memes, <laughs> but but I get I I get that there are people who love the hell out of them mm-hmm. and you know get so much joy out of them and will happily churn out three or four a day on their <laughs> meme devoted Instagram accounts or, or right. whatever they're doing right. it you know it's like it, that's how you get your jollies that is totally valid I get that you know uh, and you're right there, there, there are probably some folk who enjoy the memes more than they enjoy some of the actual uh, maybe content. yeah 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 it's really interesting. It's a little different now because especially with the High Republic um, and a few of the television shows, the idea of a more diverse sexuality in Star Wars was pretty absent mm. at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Um, and I remember, this was long before I thought about writing the book, I remember finding this tiny little fan film from Spain about two gay stormtroopers at the Death Star that are arguing about where should they go for their summer vacation, for their little vacation. And it was like an eight-minute film. It was just very tender. It was very loving. And it was sort of like, wow, like fans are filling in the blanks of the things that Lucasfilm and or Disney doesn't want to talk about when this film was created. I think it's like from 2011, 2012. So that's the other really interesting things about about fan-produced material that it's not only a commentary on Star Wars, but it is also adding adding, <laughs> adding <to> lore. <laughs> oh, absolutely! I mean, there you know, I, I know folk on Instagram who are filling in gaps with characters like and shipping characters like Thrawn and Eli Vanto, for example. Ah, you know. Oh my 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 brain my brain just went to so many places right now. I I, I didn't I honestly I didn't get that reading from the Thrawn books. But I can't think about those characters now without thinking <laughs> that, you know, there's this subtext going on. And that, that's completely been planted in my brain by, uh-huh. Uh-huh. by, by fan-created content, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, you know what? And I, I definitely want to get back to talking about um, uh, something you touched on there, sort of diversity in, in, in the Star Wars galaxy. But before that, I, I want to take it right, right back um, to your Star Wars origin story. Where, how, when, and where uh, did you first encounter this bizarre, silly space story that's kind of come to you know, come to give you so much joy and be such a big part of your life? Um, it started actually with the trailer of the very first movie. Like even before I saw the movie, I saw the trailer. Can I ask how old you were? I was, I was eleven, almost twelve. Okay, yeah. So I was a kid, but I was not a little kid. And so I remember seeing the trailer and I remember hearing Vader's breathing. 
not knowing that it was him, just yeah. hearing the breathing. Um, and I remember that the scene of Luke and Leia on the rope jumping in the abyss of yeah. the Death Star. Uh, and I remember thinking, I gotta see this movie. Um, and so it really started even before the movie came out. Yeah. Um, at that time, things were not released in Puerto Rico at the same time as the US. So I read lots of things about it and it had become already very popular by the time it arrived in Puerto Rico in October of 77. Oh, okay. So I knew that there was a hype that people were really liking it. I think that that's um, probably even later than it landed in the UK. Mm-hmm. I think the UK, oh, really? the UK okay. got it later in the summer of 77, but yeah, you, they didn't get to you guys until the fall. We got it in October of 77. Wow. Okay. October of 77. Uh, even though we're a US territory, <laughs> we're, um, it, took, it took quite a while to get down wow. there. Um, and so I, I was there from the very beginning, and I just completely fell in love with the original trilogy um, and just followed it from that moment on. And the 80s, after Return of the Jedi, I sort of had a little lull. I was in college. I was doing graduate school and yeah, all of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, um, And so I, I was not following much. Yeah, but. I mean, the, I guess most folk who lived through that period will will recall that there wasn't much to follow anyway. You, no. you know, um, I, 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 so I'm about maybe a decade behind you. Uh, so okay. I, I, was, I, was, I was a child of 77. Um, so so my, my first encounter was watching the original on, I think, a sort of taped from TV VHS, you know, in, okay. in my parents' living room, you know, sitting on the floor okay. enwrapped. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, and, and obviously I inhaled the original trilogy as it was available to me at the time, and I inhaled the Kenner toys and, you know, for a couple of years, my life was Star Wars, and then there was no more Star Wars. And you know, there was eventually a few years later, and I don't even think the UK got it when the US and other territories got it. But things like the Droids cartoon and the Ewoks cartoon, these things dropped, but there there wasn't much going on. The Ewoks no. movies as well. No, but no, no, um, no. you know, and I, anyway, I was young, so I moved on to you know He Man and Transformers or whatever else. Whatever other toys the the kids were playing with, you know, <laughs> right, um, right, right. Yeah, there's that sort of dark ages of Star Wars between '83 and basically '97, when right. really not much was happening. That sort of aligned with you kind of getting off to college, I guess, and sort of having other stuff on your mind. I had a lot of other things in my yeah. mind, in it, and I was already I was I was done with my PhD when the the prequel trilogy started. Um, and so that was, it was fun to getting back to it and all of that. Um, I'm, I was very late for celebration, for going to celebration. Um, I really started only recently. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't go to the very early ones or anything like that, but, but yeah, from, from the very, from the very beginning, Star Wars was very much part of my life. I remember, I remember like doing little jobs in my neighborhood like mowing the lawn and raking leaves so I could have more money to go by to see the movie again. Oh, fantastic. Um, because, and I had, I remember I had a friend in my neighborhood who was very, very poor. And so I saved for him too. Oh, wow. So the two of us could go and see the movie because he had never seen it. And I really wanted him to see it. So we, I saved the money, took the bus, uh, which was 10 cents <laughs> to go to the mall and, um, and went to see it together. It was, it was really exciting. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, I do obviously want to talk about the book, um, Star Wars Multiverse. We've already touched on it a little bit. Um, in the conclusion to the book, you talk about it being, um, you see it as an exercise of responsible media literacy, um, mm. detecting and uncovering and exposing the intricacies of the multiverse. That word multiverse probably has some very specific associations for a lot of folk listening, mostly courtesy of Marvel. Um, right. <laughs> Can you unpack a bit about what, yeah, yeah, yeah. what we mean when we talk about the Star Wars multiverse? I I actually grabbed it from science and not from Marvel. Uh-huh. And so when I think of the word, I have the sort of the sort of more scientific sort of astrophysicist notion of multiple universes. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in in American academia, there's there's a tendency of talking about transmedia Star Wars. Mm-hmm. We talk about fiction and film and television. Um, and I, I like that term, but it sort of excludes the sort of social connection of Star Wars outside of media. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, we consume a lot of cosplay by looking at images on Instagram, but we also consume cosplay by interacting 
with other human beings in a social space, yeah. in a convention and, and, and places like that. And so I wanted a word that encompassed all of those different media, but also other ways in which Star Wars is consumed. Um, and so the idea of Star Wars is having multiple universes of ways of thinking and reading and watching and listening to Star Wars, uh, it sort of really resonated with me. Yeah. Um, and so I, 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 I stuck to that word and I explained it in the first chapter, sort of like, this is, this is my take. Marvel doesn't have the copyright on the word, no. as far as I know. <laughs> um, but I like, I like the word because, it's, because it recognizes that there are things outside of media where we are consuming Star Wars that is not mediated yeah. in the way other things in the way other things are so that's why i that's why i use the yeah, word I, I, absolutely no it, it is very well explained in, in the book as well and i i guess the, the starting point for most star wars fans getting their heads around there being sort of multiple levels to things probably is uh the idea of canon and legends and diff, di, diff, different quote-unquote universes if right that makes sense and and then obviously i guess once you've got that idea down path sort of build, building on that and i love the idea also that it's something that i mentioned in the first chapter you know in greek mythology and in norse mythology you have multiple versions of the story of someone mm. and so i think of what we now call legends and canon as multiple stories of luke skywalker multiple stories of what happens after the battle of endor multiple stories of what happened 25,000 years ago yeah. before Phantom Menace with Into the Void. And so I, I, like, I like the idea of all of this material doesn't necessarily need to connect yeah. in perfect narrative ways yeah. Yeah. because what we're getting are sort of mythologies of Star Wars. Absolutely. And, and, and we're seeing that actually, not, not on a massive scale, but from time to time, we see that even within the new canon. You know, th th there, th there have been some contradictions between oh yeah something that's been published in say the ahsoka novel and then over here in animation right. they do a slightly different thing or right. you know we, we introduce uh, the character of cobb vanth in the aftermath books but he gets a slightly different backstory in the mandalorian yeah. it's like you know yeah. and, and n none of it is earth shatteringly different but if you know if you sort of squint it's clearly all part of the same thing or just a, it's a different version of that character's story you know yeah um, and it's a fictional story yeah so yeah, you know, it, this is not about finding what really happened in Nazi Germany. We're not, we're not there. No, um, and so the fictionality of the world sort of allows us for multiple possibilities, and it allows fans to add stories to it. Yeah. So if there's a version, there's a Legends version, there's a Canon version, there's a fan version. Whatever, that's fine. Just because it didn't happen doesn't mean it's not true. And right. you know, there's there's a truth about those characters in either in, in both versions of the story you know luke skywalker is luke skywalker and he might have a slightly different truth in in one version but it still feels like luke skywalker you know maybe yes. just through a different yes. prism yes yes absolutely um so let, let I'll, I'll give maybe the folks listening a quick overview of of, of the what's in the book um so, so it's really comprised um by four essays would you call them essays sure yeah I wrote them as separate units. Yeah, so yeah, and yeah. they very much are, you know. So you could mm -hmm. you could pick this up, and it's a very slim volume, sort of hundred and something pages, hundred and thirty pages. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, so each of these essays is probably knocking in at around the thirty pages long mark, something like that. Uh, and each one's totally discrete. So you could, as I have done over you know, time and time again, pick it up one day and just read one of them completely in completely in isolation. Um, so the first uh, chapter is this idea of navigating the multiverse, watching, reading, wearing Star Wars. That's kind of really where you're unpacking this idea of what the multiverse means um, right. to you. Uh, second chapter, then humans and creatures and droids, hierarchies of life. And I guess you're diving there into issues of some issues of diversity, how Star Wars presents and deals with issues of difference as mm -hmm. much as anything else. And the third chapter, Imperial Desires, War, Order, and Colonialism, is kind of getting into some of the nitty-gritty around Star Wars and the dreaded P-word, politics. Some people... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 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 I want to talk maybe a little later about 
the folk who insist that politics shouldn't have a place in Star Wars. But um, uh, <laughs> I, I would love to talk about yeah. that. I would love to talk about that. Um, and, and then the, the, the final essay is Beyond Princesses and Flyboys, where you're getting into gender and sexuality in Star Wars. Um, I do particularly want to talk to you about diversity uh, in Star Wars, both mm-hmm. sort of on the screen and on the page, and indeed how Star Wars addresses questions of difference. Um, that's, a, <laughs> that's a massive question, I know. Um, but <laughs> it is. It's such a big question. Uh, how long have you got? Um, so, you know, where did we start and how are we doing? Well, it is, it is really interesting. I'm going to actually draw something from chapter four, from the one on gender and sexuality to sort mm-hmm. of answer your question a little bit. Um, when, we, when we think about Princess Leia, the beginning of the original trilogy, she's, a, she's pretty lonely as a woman in the Star Wars world. Oh, yeah. Um, and it is not until we go through the whole trajectory that more and more women are added, especially with the original trilogy that starts happening very clearly. And then Clone Wars is an explosion. I think something similar happens when we talk about species diversity, racial diversity, and all of that in Star Wars. Um, there is in sort of a almost a sort of a culture and civilization, this whole idea of the civilized and the barbaric that's very clearly delineated at, in the original trilogy mm-hmm. um, that slowly starts changing, especially in the original trilogy and Clone Wars. Yeah. And we, we get this idea of diversity with much more nuance than we did in the original yeah. trilogy. Yeah, I mean, um, the thing that jumps to my mind immediately is um, it, you know, it, in, in the first film, there, there are very some very clear, almost sort of John Ford-esque references, visual references to things, films like The Searchers, and really drawing out that Western movie yes. parallel and yes. with particular reference to you know encountering the aftermath of what is assumed to be a tuscan raider attack you know it, it, it's lift mm-hmm. it's elevating the tuscan raiders immediately or not elevating them, but immediately presenting them to you as these are native americans but right but, sort of, right. but the native americans of not terribly progressive hollywood cinema of an earlier time potentially yes and it's it's the Tuscan Raiders are an excellent example because you, we see the polar opposite in the Mandalorian um, when when Mando our character is sort of not treating them as savages, yeah. but treating them as a as a community of indigenous people, um, yeah. and the rest of them are the invaders. And so it's 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 really interesting to see that arc. It Star Wars is tricky because. Because it's so old. <laughs> because it started in 77 and it's still going now. And the way American pop culture and media thinks of all these questions today is very different from the way it was thought about in the 70s. Um, and so it is tricky to, to give like conclusive statements about diversity, about sexuality, about gender, because it keeps changing. Yeah, It keeps changing. And so... Uh, that is that is something that I find really interesting and that I love because I get to see the evolution of American culture as Star Wars grows. Yeah. I always say that Star Wars is an American cultural product. It absolutely that is. That it is a reflection of the way American society thinks about X, Y, and Z. And when we talk about diversity, that's, I mean, to see the difference between 1977 and 2023, it's, it's radical. It's really yeah. radical. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it, it's radical, but it's taken forty forty years, or the, well, yes. the, the, the yes, better yes, part yes. of forty years. You know, it's a radical change, but it's not revolutionary. Star Wars is not revolutionary. No, no, I, <laughs> and I think particularly on the screen, um, yes, n- not notwithstanding the vocal howls from the usual quarters when they don't like a particular casting decision or something like that, but. You know, thinking particularly of queer representation, you know, so so far behind on the screen. I mean, there was a line that jumped out at me from your book about how, and I think you you know you you were trying to put it as politely as you could manage it, but that Star Wars is unrealistically unrealistically hetero. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yes. And that it's it's so true. You know, we 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 had to wait until 2019 to get a a tiny glimpse of a of a lesbian kiss in the background. Right. 
which was obviously cut in some territories. Yeah. Um, and that th- that is that has been it, really. I mean, the, we, we we've had um, Flick and Orca in Star Wars Resistance, who, who yeah, are, but as comic relief, typical, typical yeah. as comic relief. Yes, indeed. Oh. And, and, and <laughs> you know, they were from the from the get go, to my eye, certainly clearly coded as a gay couple. But they're 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 kind of they're kind of the Bert and Ernie of yes. of Star Wars. You know, it's yes. it's yes. The relationship is there, and it's very, very sweet. But it's not, it's not even really confirmed until that second season episode when they right. go, they they go back to the family homestead. I can't remember which, right. whose family they go to see. But I, I don't remember either. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you did when you wrote the book because you talk about it very well. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, 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 because I mean, I was trying to find something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it was, and it was hard to find. That's it, it as far as on-screen queer rep goes. Not, I mean, on the page. Well, I mean, recently with, with Andor, with Andor, we have we have some sort of same-sex relations that are sort of presented there but once again it's everything is very shy yes everything is very shy yeah um it's one of the things that i have absolutely adore about high republic novels yeah that they have just they have just gone wherever they want to go yeah i mean it's it's unusual to to read in fact i don't think i have read a high republic novel and i read them all but i don't think i don't think i've read one that doesn't include one or two possibly more um, queer characters of of some form or another, right. be be that right. someone whose pronouns are they them right. or or someone who's uh, aromantic or asexual or pansexual or gay, right. you know, right. it's right. all there. Um, it's everywhere, and and and, and almost to, to the point where I mean, I I've stopped commenting on it when I'm reviewing stuff. I've stopped saying, "Oh, and we've got some more good queer rep here." Um, <laughs> uh, and I remember reading a few months after I'd reviewed a particular book. Um, one of my followers read it and commented, "Oh, nobody even told me that um, this character was non-binary." And I had a really interesting conversation in DMs afterwards. And I was kind of like thinking, I kind of, I sort of felt like we'd got to the point that we didn't need to shout about it anymore. You know, like like sort of you know from, from my position of privilege as a, as a cis white hetero guy, I was like kind of like, oh, <laughs> job done, guys. Well done, Lucasfilm Publishing. You know, <laughs> we don't even need to talk about this anymore. And yet there was, there was somebody out there who I think would have found it quite validating just for other people to be still saying, "Look at this, look at this, look at this." You know, I I find it very validating as a gay man. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 so refreshing. Especially because um, in television and in film and even and in a lot of novels, you just didn't have that kind of representation done in such a sort of like, as a matter of fact, sort yeah. of like there are all of these different ways of displaying sexuality and the High Republic novels are doing that. And even with the comics, like the High Republic Adventures in Phase One, yeah, it was just beautiful. That 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 beautiful between scene. Zine and Lula is just lovely. It's just beautiful. Yeah, it's just beautiful, yeah. and I I I really appreciate that. Yeah, and and because they're there, I even miss them more on television and film. Yes, exactly. It, it's so the the the, 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 dis, the disparity is astonishing. <laughs> Every time I go back to television, it's like, oh, that's right. This is yeah, but but you know, one hundred and fifty years ago, whenever it was in the High Republic era, there were there were queer folks everywhere. <laughs> where where have they all gone? Um, you know, I mean, I I know the Empire was bad, but I don't think it was that you know <laughs> that that efficient at rooting out um, difference. I mean, well, th- th- that's an interesting thing because. That that sort of jogged something in my mind that you know a lot of the time the representation as you said is very matter of fact, you know, and almost, almost the way uh, the way that race doesn't show up on screen as an issue, right? You you know, you know Lando Calrissian isn't a black man in space; he's a man in space. His his, his skin color does not give him an, an additional identity right. in human. the Star Wars universe. Right? Yeah, he's just human. Right. And I think I often think that that's the case with a lot of the queer rep that we're seeing on the page it's just here's here's some these people exist and it's not a, it's, yeah. there's, they're not being 
marked out as different. They're not being um, persecuted. They don't feel that they have to sort of fight for their rights. They are just part of the galaxy and then they exist, you know? Right. Um, and, the, and the one example that sticks out to me is actually one of the earliest examples of queer rep in the new canon, which was Sinjia Rathvelis, who is a character I absolutely adore. And, and his yeah, relationship with Condor <laughs> is still possibly my fa- my favourite Star Wars romance of all time. Just <laughs> Sinjir's sort of cynicism and his his barriers melt, you know? It is absolutely beautiful. But I, I I want to see him on a television show. Uh, well, or I, I want or... I want to. I've said this before in the podcast. I want an entire show about Sinjir Rathvelis going around the galaxy as Mon Mothma's amoral fixer. You know that <laughs> there is a price to be paid for Mon Mothma's squeaky clean image, and the price is Sinjir Rathvelis and all of the awful things he has to do to make the galaxy work. That is a show. I think that show has. Are read. you listening, Lucasfilm? Are you uh-huh. listening? <laughs> uh, so to, to, to get back to, to Sinjir in the book, um, there's there's a section in one of the books, and I can't remember which one of the trilogy it is, where he does talk about um, in the how in the Empire people like him were not openly discriminated against, but the Empire's pro-family policies meant that if you were queer, you kind of stayed in the closet. Um, and that's the only instance I can think of in the, in the new Star Wars canon where queerness is sort of presented as a point of difference, uh, as something that maybe societally had some sort of import or the, the, there were policy issues around it, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I have not read the third of that trilogy yet, so, and, but I remember that scene, so it was in one of the first two okay, books, yeah. but I, I don't remember which one. But I remember that moment. I remember that moment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's great. But, oh, he's, he's totally great. Absolutely super character. Um, we need more <laughs> of him. Let's talk about the wars in Star Wars. Um, you know, y- you write in your book about sort of having this epiphany at one of your the early conventions that you went to, and sort of s- suddenly seeing all these people in cosplay walking around with guns, <laughs> and sort of suddenly the penny dropping. It's like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> This is about war. This is about war. You know, and I I always feel embarrassed about that moment because I think because I discovered Star Wars as a child in action adventure Hollywood cinema, Mm -hmm. of course there have to be guns. But but it just just never... I don't go to Star Wars because of blasters. Yeah, yeah. But I recognize that blasters are everywhere in Star Wars. Yeah. And it was not until I went to that convention in Florida, of all places, and I think that made a difference. Yeah. I, it was just sort of like I was in a gun convention. Yeah. And uh, they were like sharing, they're like, look at my gun, and this is the, this is how I built it. And yeah. I was like, where I, am I? <laughs> it's interesting. That it, it is interesting you say that, because I, I, I do recall when I was, as I was preparing to come to Star Wars Celebration in London this year, this was my, my first mm-hmm. big convention, Woo-hoo! I was thinking to myself, Okay, well, I've I've got to pack this fake gun in my suitcase. I, <laughs> you know, I've I've got to I'll, I'll put a note in there that says it's only a prop, just in case it gets flagged <laughs> or something. But you know, but I was also wondering, you know, do like, how does security at these events? Do they just say we we can't check these guns? They're clearly pretend guns. You know, the, the, there, there's something quite odd in modern society about seeing a bunch of people walk around armed, fake guns or not. You know, it is. It is. Um, and, you know, in the context of the U.S., uh-huh. um, with our with our generous gun policy, and yeah. I'm going to be as sweet as I can about this, mm-hmm. um, it, is, it is really interesting that Star Wars sort of allows a space yeah. for displaying weapons in that way. Um, I, you know, at the beginning of the book, I, I talk about the notion of empire and how, as a Puerto Rican, um, that 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 word has some like very real connotations with the United States of America, um, and so the whole idea of war, um, of warmongering, the whole idea of weapons, the whole idea of of military violence, and all of that, was something that as I as I grew up with Star Wars, I started realizing that all of my notions about war and militarism and empire were sort of inscribed. Yeah, in in the Galactic Empire in Star Wars. Yeah, um, and it sort of became 
it ceased to be fictional to me. Yeah, yeah. And so when when the the empire made decisions in these stories, I could immediately find connections to my life, to the story of Latin America, yeah. um, in sort of very direct ways. Yeah. Um, I always say that Star Wars is only fictionally far, far away. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I had a not I had a not dissimilar experience in, in some ways. Obviously, as as a kid. As a five-year-old kid sat on the living room floor enwrapped by this thing unfolding on the TV before me, you know, it was just a space adventure with weird, weird robots and strange music and you know, laser swords. But certainly, when I when I started to revisit it more earnestly in, in my teenage years, having grown up in Northern Ireland through the nineteen eighties and nineteen nineties, which oh wow, yeah, you know. Was basically experiencing what you could politely describe as sort of a quietly simmering civil war, <laughs> you know, uh, and then the nineties being quite bad actually, you know, and, and, and I saw some stuff, and suddenly rewatching something like Star Wars and realizing, oh, I, I've actually sort of there's a vocabulary here for some of this yes. stuff that yes. I've known since I was five, uh, but I'd sort of forgotten about and hadn't really. Mm-hmm thought about it but but here is okay it's a space adventure but it's also about political violence it's it's also about opposing ideologies it's also about you know authoritarianism versus you know the the rebel alliance and what they stand for and sort of and, and freedom greater freedoms for people uh, and and suddenly it seemed very different suddenly it was like yeah. it, it it took on a whole other dimension for me you know um yeah. and, and that I, I i don't think i can underestimate how much a part of my sort of the revival of my star my interest in star wars that was in my in my teenage years you know in terms of coming back to those original movies starting to dive into some of the comics and then books as i did at that point um so so from that point on it's always felt very deeply political, you know. I mean, I I, I used to joke that uh, the original trilogy is basically all about how lefty politics and dodgy spiritualism will save the galaxy, you know. <laughs> 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 you know, and that's sort of that, that that that's facile, I know, but it's there. You know, Lucas himself talked about how, you know, and again, Lucas was was a great contrarian and often very right. fond of attributing meaning to things after the fact. But, you know, he, you know, he, he did say, you know, he's on record as having said, well, you know, yeah, the, the emperor is Richard Nixon and um, you know, the, the, the empire is sort of, you know, a corrupt U S administration overrun by corporate interests. And, um, you know, basically the, the, the walks on Endor, it's, you know, it's Vietnam, isn't it? It's a, right. it's a sub- technologically superior force being um, right. beaten by, you know, some primitives, you know. That revelation for you was for me when I started watching Clone Wars. Okay. Because I didn't get, I didn't get the consequences of war watching the prequel trilogy. I really started understanding Star Wars as studying war when I started watching Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, and it was that it's really interesting. It, it almost feels like Clone Wars brought me back to Star Wars mm-hmm. um, because I, I enjoyed the prequel trilogy. I didn't love it, but I enjoyed yeah. it. Uh, but I sort of sort of left it, you know, sort of like, OK, we're done with that. Um, and then I didn't watch Clone Wars from when it started. I started much, much later. But when I started watching it and started realizing, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> here we go. Absolutely. Um, it all became, it all became so smart yeah. about thinking about war in a way that the prequel trilogy, because it's so fo- focused on Anakin Skywalker yeah. and the downward spiral of him turning into Darth Vader, the, the notion of war was the background of the story, but it was not in the forefront. Yeah, Clone Wars is all about war. And I remember watching that show and thinking, whoa, yeah. like, look at all the layers now that we couldn't get in the movies. Not because they didn't want to tell it, but because it's focusing on, yeah. on Anakin Skywalker. So the, 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 brief was, the brief was just too unmanageable, I think, to 
yes. to do those ideas justice and yes. cover Anakin Skywalker's yes. downfall, P- particularly when you spent the first movie with, with Anakin as a cute eight-year-old kid. <laughs> you know, you you gave you know, it's like you gave yourself two movies, George, to tell this you know <clears throat> multifaceted tale of you know, how, how the fall of one man is sort of mirrored by the the, the fall of society into a tyranny, right. you know, and right. Right. It was just hard to pull off, I think. Um, but no, you're right. There, there's so much smart stuff in that show. All the more amazing, given that it's ostensibly meant to be some sort of kids program. You know, um, my, my, my son, uh, who's eight years old now, he's watched them all and he's definitely enjoyed them. But I, I'm sh- I don't think he got much out of the banking regulation episodes, for example. <laughs> you know? Uh, they're some of my favorite episodes. I, I love, I, you know, I love those episodes that sort of mixed up action adventure with we're talking about banking regulation here, you know, um, and the economics of war. Um, so there's, there's some great stuff. I, I remember, I still remember when Phantom Menace came out, and this was before the internet, but I remember hearing people saying, it's like, why, why are they bringing politics into Star Wars? It's like, <laughs> Why are they talking about embargo and a trade federation? This look, like, yeah. that's not Star Wars. Oh. Um, and I, I remember, I, I ate it up like candy. You're sort of like, oh, yeah. okay. Well, Real I, politics. I, I, I'm, um, I'm probably one of the few of my generation who saw that opening crawl of the Phantom Menace about taxation, and I was like, yep, here we go, baby. <laughs> I, I, I was at uni at this point studying international politics, you know, so I'm like, yeah, oh, perfect. Br- bring perfect. it on, you know, and, and everybody else in my generation was like, what is this nonsense, know. you know? I know. Um, this is supposed I, I, to be fun. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I've talked about this on, on the podcast before as well, but, you know, Lucas loved this idea of the banality of evil and about evil in the corporate world and, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just the laser guns you have to worry about. It's what's going on in the shadows. Yeah, um, fantastic yep. stuff. What do you make of the folk who howl online about Star Star Wars shouldn't, shouldn't be political? Where's that coming from? <sighs> How many hours do you have? <laughs> um, I, I I I don't know that I can answer where it comes from. Yeah, but I think there is a tendency especially in the U.S., um, to, to stay away from politics in order not to polarize popular culture. Yeah. And so it's really interesting when I started getting into groups in Facebook that were Star Wars interested, you know, there's the rules. Every single group has the rule of you cannot talk about politics in this yeah. site. Do you agree to not talk about politics in this site? Yeah. Um, and I think part of part of it is the complication that Star Wars attracts both progressive, liberal, some revolutionaries, and it attracts radically conservative people. Yeah. Um, and so when you put those two together in the same room, of course they're going to tear each other to pieces. Yeah. Which is exactly what these Facebook groups do not want to do. But I think it's really important. Actually, um, Nick and I, in, in our podcast, we're going to do an episode on politics oh, um, in our next season because we, 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 we cannot not talk about it. Yeah. Um, and because we have no place to talk about it in any of the Facebook groups that we belong, yeah. we've decided to do an entire episode talking about politics. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, because it, it's really, I mean, I, I really saw it, I really saw it when I started like thinking very seriously about cosplay and, and about Fiber First. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of the idea of this attraction to the order and discipline of the empire and a cosplay organization that yeah. focuses on villains. Yeah. Do, do you want to dress up as a space Nazi? Right. And so it's, it's just, it's just really fascinating to see how that is sort of part of the language of it. Yeah. Somebody yeah. sent me a, like a six minute video of the, the Mexican day of the dead celebrations last mm. fall 
in Mexico and there was a stormtrooper parade in there. And I'm like, well, that's a little too fascist for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it just, it just, it gave me like, it just gave me like really uncomfortable vibes. I, I think that that's, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because there are, there are folk clearly for, for whom it just doesn't carry those associations and they're, they're not, not, they're not seeing it in that way. And, you know, right. I, it would be, facile and absolutely wrong to say that if you dress up as a stormtrooper somehow you were making some sort of political statement but for for others so myself included i think i would find it quite difficult to make that choice and i'm I'm sort of early on my cosplay journey right now but i'm very much focusing on jedi costumes and things that i'm comfortable wearing um it was really important for me because i had done only jedi Mm. And when I decided to do Grand Admiral Thrawn, uh, which is an all-white costume, I said, let me do an Imperial officer all in black first to sort of practice the costume. Yeah. And then as I am approaching the moment of putting this costume on, and I'm like, do, do I want to do this? Um, and I, I negotiated with myself, and I said, I'm going to wear an Imperial officer costume, but I am not going to wear a gun. I'm not going to have a blaster. Yeah. I'm going to create a narrative of who I am mm-hmm. that doesn't require a blaster. Yeah. And so when I do my Imperial officer costume, um, actually there were two people the first time that asked me, it's like, where's your blaster? And I, and I usually say, oh, I only push paper in the Empire. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a bureaucrat. No, I'm, I'm, just, yeah. I'm, just doing, I'm just doing bureaucratic things. Because I, 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 I have never but, liked guns. But, even even, even that carries sort of, even that sort of triggers in me a little bit of like, you know, I, you know, I, I, I just worked in admin. You know, I, I was just, you know. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. That's, that's what I'm saying. I'm negotiating. Yeah. I'm negotiating yeah. how I allow myself to insert myself in it. And, yeah. you know, I don't want to say that every single person that dresses up as a stormtrooper oh, hell no. is a radically conservative person. Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's no. just not true. But there is a tendency, there is an attraction, um, especially in 501st, yeah. um, to have ex-military and, and sort of very conservative ideologies. Yeah. I, I, know, I know several people that have left the group because they just could not deal with the implicit politics inside, oh, really? inside the group. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. it's interesting you say that because I, I've heard more than one anecdote from a, a Dr. Afra cosplayer who, you know, they, they, they've approached a Vader cosplayer um, for, for a photo opportunity. Um, and and they're, they're, they're completely unaware of who this character is. You know, you're like, well, oh. you know, there's and maybe maybe part of it is just that the cosplay community and the reading communities just don't overlap that much, but I thought that was that it, that's a particularly telling interaction. You've got these these, these female cosplayers. Um, I haven't I haven't seen a gender bent Afro yet. Um, maybe maybe I'll do that because I've got I've got my Afro. I have I've got my Afro tattoo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I am in love with your tattoo. I yeah, don't like tattoos, look, but I am in love with your. It was tattoo. a definite. It was a definite life choice. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it's a particularly interesting interaction that because you've got, you've got female cosplayers who have really embraced what one of the sort of new canon's real success stories as far as female protagonists go, um, who, who as, as as time has gone on has turned out to be to be gay, right. um, uh, and was introduced in the Darth Vader comic, sort of really made that first Darth Vader run actually worth reading, um, and you've got these guys who dress up as Vader and they have no idea who this chick is. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. which is fascinating to me. Absolutely yes. fascinating. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, Afra, Afra is fascinating. I really, I really, I really enjoy. I really enjoy what she brings to Star Wars. Yeah. Um, because I love the sort of villainous, funny, goofy elements that she brings all together in it. it it's just. It's just delightful. Yeah, it's just delightful. It's, it's wonderful stuff. And you know, who doesn't like a couple of murder droids as well? Oh God! <laughs> scare the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> one, one, one day, one day when I'm slim enough again, my my goal is to uh, get a the triple zero, the sort of the, the, the protocol droid, the, the, the murderous 
Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I have, I've seen two or three people cosplay Triple Zero in yeah, the United States. Yeah, though those protocol droid costumes are are unforgiving, in yes. in, in in terms of the yes. waste. Yes, <laughs> I got yes. some work to do. Um, <laughs> I want obviously to talk about the course that you teach on Star Wars. Sure. Um, as, as I said, obviously, I see I see you occasionally posting about it online. Where did that come from? Uh, and, and what does it comprise? When my when my book was finished and about to come out, uh, the chair of my department sort of said, "So when are you writing? When are you teaching the class?" And I'm like, "What class?" Um, because I had not really thought about teaching a class on Star Wars, honestly speaking. And then when he sort of gave me that idea, I started thinking about it. It's like, no, no, no. This this could be really really interesting because. There's a tendency with Star Wars to dismiss it as simple, sort of like it's a simple, silly story. And there is so much in it um, that doing a cultural studies class on the idea of spectacle, the idea of culture, Star Wars is a reflection of American culture, and sort of how fandom in Star Wars works, I thought, I thought it would work really, really beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the most challenging thing, Johnny, is trying to create a common vocabulary in the class mm-hmm. because I have students in there that have seen every episode of Clone Wars and Rebels and every movie. And I have students that show up there because their dad likes Star Wars. Okay. And, and they've seen like one movie. Yeah. I have that. I had, I had a student in my first semester sort of like, yeah, my roommate likes Star Wars. So I, 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 I want to know more about this. They'd never seen anything. Wow. So I'm in the room. What a journey for that. With somebody who knows who Dr. Aphra is. Yeah. Next to somebody who only knows that Vader is in Star Wars. But yeah. he doesn't even know who Vader is. And so that's, that has been very challenging. Uh, so I, what I try to do is sort of create a... We start watching things together throughout the semester. Mm-hmm. But there's so much to watch that we, we can't do it all. Yeah, indeed. And I mean, so I, I'm, we... I, I, I'm currently doing a rewatch of everything in, chronolo- in chronological order. So uh, I, I'm useless with exercise and I need incentive. So I, my incentive is I'm, I'm going to watch sort of an hour or so of Star Wars a day while I'm walking on the treadmill. So I'm basically... I, I'm... Oh, yeah, I, meant, I saw that online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay. so I'm, I'm watching you know, an hour, sometimes a bit more a day uh, on the treadmill. Do you know how long it's going to take me to watch everything? And and I, I started, I think maybe late April, early May. Do you have any idea when I'll finish? At least a year. It's well, it's not that bad. It, but okay. November, if if I'm lucky, I'll be done by Life Day and the sort of the the. You know, but the this is with all the television shows too. That, so that's everything. That's um, wow. all the animation, all the live action stuff. You know, we weaving in the little sort of forces of destiny web shorts and that sort of right, thing. Right, right. Uh, that's that's six months of an hour plus a day. Wow. That, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, if you told my young self that that was going to be what Star Wars was, it would have blown my tiny mind. Yes. You know. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. No, I I have loved the explosion of of material. It's, yeah. it's been. Um, I don't like it all. But I, but I'm fascinated by all of it. I'm yeah. fascinated by all of yeah. it. And, and um, how are the folks who then are coming to it a bit light and sort of playing catch up? How are they getting on with it in, in the class? They seem to be fine. I mean, we we um, I try to sort of limit the conversations to what we have seen so far in class, mm-hmm. and then I bring in other things as we as we add things to it. Yeah. But you know, we we can't watch all of Clone Wars. We can't watch all of Rebels. Yeah. Um, we can't even watch all of Mandalorian. I mean, we just can't. No. But I sort of give you samples of things, and I bring things to class. So we watch clips of things we have not watched as outside of class. Um, and so that way I sort of bring in things to it. What I found really fascinating is that some students would like, you know, I, we watched like four or five episodes of System 1 of Rebels, and some of them would come back, and I said, and they said, oh, no, 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 I, well, I watched the whole, I the whole season. Because it was so good, and so they they sort of get excited about watching other things besides what I do. Yeah, and then yeah. I give them projects throughout the semester where they are allowed to bring in other things. Um, 
for the final project, a student last semester did a whole examination of Coruscant with all the levels. Oh, wow. Bringing it from like, like junior fiction and novels and television shows and film. And it, she was a graphic designer. So basically, it was an infographic that was this long vertical poster. Yeah, beautiful. Going down into all the levels and bringing all the information and talking about sort of how this level thinks of that level. And it was so good. Fantastic. So good. Fantastic. Um, and so in a, in a project like that, they get to watch, they get to read, they get to read comics that we don't discuss in class, but it is connected to the topic that they want to, yeah. that they want to work on. Fantastic. So. Just talking about reading, well, we touched on books earlier. Um, I do want to quickly talk to you about what you have been reading recently. Um, I, I know that you've been, you've been on holiday and I think you maybe boxed off a couple of books while you were away. I took Into the Void with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and before, before and that, I, had, you, had you finished Yoda Dark Rendezvous just before holiday then? I, I did. I know you're reading that one. I finished. Yeah. I finished that and enjoyed it very, very much. I've not read that. That's one that I haven't got to yet. I've, I've, I've had a stack of Clone Wars era stuff on my shelves for years. And I've been okay. dipping in and out, but for some reason, I haven't got to it. No, I, I, I thought that was really, really fun. I, I was surprised how much I enjoyed it, because um, I had been reading online. Some people really liked it. Some people didn't. Some people thought it was really boring, so I just I just didn't know what to think. Yeah. Um. And it came out in the Essential Legends books. Yes. Um. It came out earlier this year, and I love those books. <laughs> I'm 58 years old, and I like that the font is larger. Yeah. So it's much easier to read. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the uh, um the UK paperbacks are a little different, but mostly I've been managing to get a hold of the US paperbacks, which are lovely, as you say. Yeah, they're they're really really nice, and so. So I did. I did Dark Rendezvous recently. Um, um, I'm almost done within. Is it called Into the Void? Dawn of the Jedi Jedi. Into the Void. Yes. Dawn of the Jedi Into the Void. Um, And I have not. I might do this later in the summer. I I have not read the latest Thrawn trilogy, uh, the Ascendancy. So I might give a crack to that one before the semester, the summer ends. Yeah, that, um, that that's a treat. If you're able to read those three in sort of quick succession, that would that would be the ideal because they, they're so dense, beautifully dense, but um, and and so many chiss names with I know. <laughs> there's a beautiful bit in one of the books where one of the characters is given a new command on a chess ship and basically Tim Zan says well she knew she was only going to be here for a while so she didn't bother learning their their names and I just I I just said thank you Tim (laughs) (laughs) because my brain is saturated with and I think you know and he knows himself you know it's absolutely 100% he knew that the reader at that point had no more the threshold had been passed long ago for people's you know, t- tolerance of more names. I read I read the first one of that trilogy when it first came out. Okay. So I read that. But then when the second one came out and I started reading it, I'm like, I'm lost. I, I need I need the first volume again. Yeah. So yeah. I think you're right. I'd like to sort of like that's gonna be the them best way and to just do it. get it, get it, get it done. Um, I have been reading a lot of comics. Um, I've been catching up with a lot of comics, sort of some of the new ones, uh, some of the High Republic ones, and um, the the new Doctor Afro series. And yeah. I met, um, oh my God, I'm going to re- forget his name, um, the guy who wrote Kenobi. Um, the comic the series, novel. oh the oh the novel, John Jackson Miller. Yes, I met him in April. And they've done the omnibus of the old Republic um, comics, and so I bought that. Oh, the, the the Knights of the Old Republic comics that John Jackson Miller did. Correct. Yeah. Correct. I, I love so that one actually. I've read I've read about a third of the gigantic book, and I am in love. Those are just absolutely marvelous. I no, no I, I stumbled into them maybe about six or seven years ago, ha- having no context other than I think maybe I had just played, I just finally caught up with the first Knights of the Old Republic video game um, exactly. because it was finally available on iOS. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to play mm-hmm. it on my phone. Right. 
Uh, so I just played that, and then I I picked up these comics, uh, which don't really tie into the game very much at all. So there's not much crossover, and I was blown away by this the 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 sweep of and the ambition of yes. of that of that run. Um, really and, and if, if you haven't gotten towards the end yet, you may still have, have some not. some real. If you you might have some real treats still in store. Uh, there, there's a reveal late on in that run that is still my favorite reveal of in any Star Wars oh. media. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Some good stuff. I there. am. The other thing that I wanted to say that I, I'm a, an avid reader of sort of all the junior books. Yeah. Like Young Jedi Knights. Jedi Apprentice, uh, Last of the Jedi, Jude Watson. I want to interview. I want to find Jude Watson. Yeah. And I want to interview Jude Watson because I I think she is one of the jewels yeah. of Star Wars fiction. I think the only Jude Watson book I have is maybe... Did she write Legacy of the Jedi? It's sort of a Clone Wars era one. With I think Anakin she and did. It's sort of. It's a, the, 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 I think there are four sections to it. It's Yoda and Dooku as Master and Padawan, and Dooku and Qui Gon as Master and Padawan, then Qui Gon, oh. Obi Wan, and then Obi Wan. Maybe Anakin. It's not one I bred. It's not one um, I bred. I maybe maybe that maybe it wasn't her. But um, so yeah, so I've yet to catch up with those. Jedi Apprentice and Young Jedi Knights books. And they're so well loved. They're just beautiful. Yeah. They're just, I, that, the, those 20 books are, 18, 20 books are just incredible. I, I was just completely surprised. This is one of the things I love about Star Wars fiction for kids that it's never afraid of going into complex difficult topics absolutely at their level but but mm-hmm. they're not afraid of doing that yeah um and so I, that book there's a moment that that kenobi is like seriously thinking of abandoning the jedi order mm. um and and it's just a beautiful arc just a beautiful arc in there um they're they're great i highly yeah. recommend yeah they're, they're, they're on my list for sure um and there's there's a she has a pen name alex wheeler Ooh, um okay. she also wrote those i i just got those i haven't read those um and those are sort of more connected to the rebellion so with leia and luke and all of that but okay. I, I haven't read those so i don't yeah. i don't know anything yeah. about those so most of my sort of younger the, the the younger stuff that i've read is going to be from the canon era um okay but but a, a lot of what you say rings true as well you know the, the they don't pull their punches a lot of these books okay. in, in terms okay. of diving into difficult stuff the test of courage is incredible yeah have you read Have you read Cobalt Squadron, the the one about Paige and Rose Tico? No. So it's sort of I haven't, set, but I haven't read it. Yeah, the, the, there's it, there's a lot of stuff in that, but the, there's there's a moment in it where they're basically witnessing what the First Order is doing with the bodies of genocide. Oh wow! And I, I, I it's, it's one of those moments where I just thought. I'm reading a book for kids and we're seeing here more vividly than in any other Star Wars story I've read, the absolute brutality of the first order killing people on an industrial scale. And it's, and it's in this middle grade book ostensibly targeted at girls because it's got, you know, two female leads. This. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Absolutely amazing stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm conscious that we've we've gone quite long. We've, we've been talking for an hour already, Carmelo. What? Uh, I know, and I feel oh, like yeah, I can see that on the screen. Oh Jesus! Okay, yeah. <laughs> and I think we barely scratched the surface. Um, so well, you we, can, we, you we, can we always run long. We we always run long on this show. Um, we, we we've yet to bring in an episode of Canon or Legends in 15 minutes. That's actually anywhere near 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that. Yeah, that's gonna it's gonna be a running gag, I think. Um, but we probably should wrap up. Um, absolutely, it's been absolutely lovely to to talk to you, and I hope we haven't seen the last of you on the show. I um, would love to contribute in the future, so count me in if you ever need fantastic. another voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so where can folk find you online if they wanted to find if you want them to find you online? I do, I, well, it would be really nice, yes. Um, I have a podcast with 
uh, Nick, my buddy, 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 Nick Conrad, uh, who we met in a Facebook group, in the Star Wars Rebel Facebook wow. group. Wow. Is that how um, that started? He, he is young, <laughs> um, and I am not. And so we, we do this sort of like multi-generational podcast uh, called Nick and Mellow's Hyperspace, and you can find it on Spotify, and we, we do video recordings, and we, you can find them on YouTube. So the channel is there on YouTube. We do nine episodes per season for the nine movies of the Skywalker saga. Yeah. Um, and then we do one-offs here and there when yeah. like a, a show has come out or anything like that. It's the only Star Wars show that I ever watch on YouTube. So. Um, oh, really? But- oh, interesting. <laughs> there's there's um, a lot of Star Wars content on YouTube that I am very wary of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I but, completely, uh, I completely agree. But but no, you're 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 in safe hands with um, with Nick and Carmelo. So please do check it out. Um, one of the things that we like that we tend to do is to do topics rather than focusing on one thing or another thing. Um, so we we have a show called When Star Wars Makes Us Cry, and we have one mm. on the idea of hope and happy endings. And so it's not sort of focusing on this movie or that movie or this show or that show, but it's more about sort of thinking globally about, about Star Wars. And like we, like our conversation today, we like drawing from comics, from fiction, from cosplay, from movies, from television, uh, because we, we also want this sort of all encompassing Star Wars. Um, The book is available online. Um, Amazon has it. Yeah. Uh, Rutgers University Press that published the book has headquarters in London, so it is very easy to acquire in the UK. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I, is, I was able to pick it up easily enough over here. Yeah, no yeah, yeah, yeah. And so in, if you are in the US, um, anywhere in the US, you can get it, you can order it. Uh, but in the UK, it's not difficult at all. And so... No, no but it, it, it's, it's an absolutely superb book, Carmelo. It, it's, Thank it's you. It's so accessible. You know, I, I, when I came to it, I, I'm a couple of decades out of academia now. You know, it, it's been a while since my graduate and postgraduate stuff. Um, <laughs> and I haven't just so I haven't been in that world for, for a very long time. Um, but it, it was completely accessible. It, it, it's, anyone could, could pick it up and dive in and know immediately what, what, what you're talking about. It's not. There are no airs and graces, and it's clearly written with a lot of heart from someone who loves Star Wars and knows. And I wrote it, and I wrote it, I, I really didn't write it for other academics. No. I wrote it for intelligent adults who want to think about Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's, that's sort of the style of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, m- mission accomplished. Um, anywhere else people can find you online? That's. I mean, I'm I'm on Instagram, um, and you, my the name is Caramelo Melo Melo, but you can put my name and you'll find me. Um, and um, and I I have a presence on Facebook, but my presence on Facebook is more in the groups rather than my yeah. own presence in it. So uh, it's much easier to find me on Instagram there. Super. All right. Um, obviously, folk listening, you can find me online uh, on Instagram and threads. Now I am there as long as it lasts. And uh, Twitter, but mostly on Instagram as at Journals of the Wills. That's journals with an S and Wills with an H. And of course, you can reach out to the podcast team. Uh, just look for at SWBC podcast. Um, we should be back later this week with an episode of Canon 15 Minutes looking at the comic Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir. Oh. And the main show returns next week with host Chris Davies talking to some folk familiar and new about the forthcoming Ahsoka live action and some of the books and comics that you might want to catch up with or brush up with on ahead of that. Carmel is looking very excited about Ahsoka. Um, but in the meantime, it's a goodbye from the wonderful Carmelo Estrich. This was a treat. Total treat. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Carmelo. Thank and you. It's a, it's a goodbye from me as well. Thanks for listening, folks. And uh, yeah, stay cool, all you book nerds. Mm-hmm.